0: We ask for the wisdom, spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. We ask that you help us to see your word for the intent in the name of Jesus. And that even as we go out after this service to minister and to preach the gospel, that your word is confirmed by miracles, signs, and wonders in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for in Jesus' name we've prayed. Alright, so again today for evangelism, please don't run out, don't rush out. Last, last month we had a good harvest, um, we had 13 people saved, and um. you want to be part of that, you know, so that you're not just clapping. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you want to be part of the team, even if the person didn't get saved through your message, but I mean, you want to be part of the team and, and experience the joy. And not just people being saved. I mean, we have people on the teams that prayed for other people and I mean, people had peace. Just praying with other Christians and teaching other Christians that are not necessarily members of your church to also evangelize. I mean, that's the that's the task and assignment we have from God. That's what matters. All right. So we're continuing with marketplace uh, dynamics. And today what we'll be looking at marketplace dynamics as a subtopic will be power and Power and wisdom, yes, power and wisdom, power and wisdom. And the reason we're looking at power and wisdom is... Um, Apostle Paul was saying that Christ is both the power and the wisdom of God. And when we started talking about the marketplace dynamics, we're saying that as much fervency, as much uh, spiritual fervency you have inside of the church... Um, you should be able to distill that outside. Uh, So in church we pray, in church we worship, and then there's much power generated. But then there's the limit to which that power can be expressed on the outside of the church. Because we said in your workplace, in your schools, I mean, you don't go there and just pray in the class all through. And then there has to be a wisdom uh, to show the power of God in the world, and, and we'll look at a few stories in, in the Bible. So, but picking up from where where we stopped about marketing your primary product through the secondary products, still that there's an ideology that I'm trying to pass out to you. There's that ideology of the marketplace dynamics, now for instance. But then marketplace dynamics is not. ...in what I'm saying right now... ...is an ideology. And you know, you necessarily cannot see an idea. Praise God. So now the idea will come... ...to you... ...by me speaking... ...not just by speaking... ...by me speaking or communicating in terms... ...that you can understand. And so that is... ...the gospel will be preached... ...the gospel will be expressed... ...to the world... ...not just in active preaching... But in also the language people understand. So that when people see you, we've talked about the way you dress, your attitude to work, your basic ethics in the society or community you find yourself, then there's an understanding of what the gospel is really saying. So you're passing an ideology through what you're doing. And in the marketplace dynamics, we must also find a place of positioning. Now, in the Easter conference, we'll talk about positioning. It will be one of the things we'll teach, and the positioning, because then there can be a cry of revival everywhere. There can be a teaching that, oh, God is moving in the, in the community. But then, what really is God doing through you? Now, that's, you've got to be positioned for that so that you're not just part of the people shouting, well, I feel God in this place. But, but if you feel God in this place, then you have to distill it. You know how many of us did chemistry, basic chemistry? How many of us like chemistry? Jesus, they dropped their hands. Those of you that like chemistry, what's wrong? <laughs> Why? Why did you like it? It was nice. I, I'm scared of you. <laughs> you you, you like chemistry? Yeah. So for example, so in, in chemistry now, oh. Uh, Yeah, in chemistry, there is. In chemistry, you learned fractional distillation, yeah. So now that there's crude, in it's crude form, but then it's not necessarily useful for everybody. And at that stage, it's most likely only valuable to the owners. I mean, so they have something they're happy about. We found crude. But now, in that form, nobody can benefit from it. But then they have to subject it to a process. And then in that process... There are many products coming out. And then, in fact, they make more gains. I remember that servant or the servants we were talking about, that they were given something, talent, some five, some three, and then the last one, one. So just take like it as a process of, of fractional distillating. And so when the believer who has been burdened with that message goes out, he begins to think of how the message can spread. Are you with me? So alright. Now let's read Proverbs chapter twenty four verse three. Let's start from Proverbs twenty four three. How many of us know that off oh, yeah. Proverbs twenty four verse three. With nobody? Okay. All right. Proverbs twenty four verse three is can the media give us that? All right. Through wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, the house is established. <laughs> you know. Okay, I won't say it because. So okay, I'll say it. <laughs> some years ago, there was this message we used to listen to, and it was a particular church, and many people, maybe, maybe some of you know that message, and or that particular ministry, and that was their opening line: "Through wisdom." And everybody just knows that memory verse. And if you don't take it in your exams, if you are doing religious studies, you you just write that and write the motto of the ministry and add it to it. Yeah, but through wisdom, a house is built and through understanding. So what we are saying is that there's power made available in the gathering of believers. But then Christ or the teaching of Christ is both that power and the wisdom of carrying it out. Say so for example, there was a prophecy of the Lord Jesus coming. So now, in the hearts or in the spirits or in the minds of the people getting these prophecies, there was spiritual energy. You know, so you get a prophecy and then you're happy about it. But then there's the wisdom of some people to begin interceding to bring it down. So that in their own lifetime, they will experience it. But not just that, in power to the Lord Jesus came. But then it took wisdom to distill his message. Because it will take wisdom to begin preaching, it will take wisdom to begin going to the temple, mixing himself with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and sinners, getting his message across. Because then the power can just be resident in the believer. And then there's no gain. But what we're trying to do again is to take the power out of the church. Through what? Wisdom. So there's power, there's wisdom. And then power is, in fact, there's, well, in in some sense, there's a scarcity of power. In another sense, there's no scarcity of power. Because in every service you go, you worship vigorously, fervently, and then you pray. But sometimes wisdom wisdom can be scarce. Sometimes wisdom can, can be a far cry because after the power, you know, power can feel good. And then you run around with the feeling. But then the job is only half done with the goosebumps you have in worship. The job is only half done because there's a message to get out there. And then God is dependent on you to take the message. And then we are saying the message is not only in your active preaching. Yes, there's also the part of passive preaching. In fact, passive preaching happens to, to have dominance over active preaching. Praise God. Because say for example, you work a job 40 hours a week and then you spend 8 hours on your sitting, on your desk. You, you, you most likely do not have Anytime to tell someone Jesus is Lord. Sometimes, if you, if you even try it. <laughs> but then you have to preach the gospel. And then that's when we started saying that now your work ethics should show. I remember a time I was, I was working in a student job and ran it. You know, one day, some guy was sitting beside, it was a customer call center. And after this the last call I had. Then he looked at me. He says, bro. I said, yeah. He says, are you a religious person? You know? Because he listened to how I was speaking to the customers. Of course, that... I had to leave that job because it was... (laughs) How many of you have worked there before? With the... (laughs) With the airline. And you felt Jesus... A believer can't survive here. You know, but... A believer can survive everywhere. But he, he told me, he said, he said, are you, are you a religious person? Are you a spiritual person? I remember that day too, after, after the work day. Then this lady looked at me. She says, yes, it makes sense now, Femi. I said, what makes sense? He said, you're a pastor. I said... <laughs> but then it was a manner of communication in talking to people that even when you are saying no, Yes, even when you are being firm, they understand that this is not from a place of hate. It's not from a place of quarrels. Now, they might not be able to interpret the love, but they know it's not the same no that the world tells them. Now, there's a message. Of course, the guy didn't accept Christ, but then later on, I, I had to preach to the lady because that day, you know, some people talk a lot. She talked, talked, talked. We got to the stop. When she got off the bus, I shouted. I had forgotten. I just said, (laughs) hi. So the next time we got on the bus, I said, today is today. (laughs) So I preached the entire entire length. And then the next day, she went to church. (laughs) Praise the name of the Lord. But then there's a way the message can be passed across that it even gives ease. But then Christ again, the power. And the wisdom of God. One of the stories I'll tell us is the story of Nehemiah. Let's do Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah is just after. Okay, not just after. It's after Genesis. Before Matthew. Somewhere, somewhere around there. Nehemiah. Open Nehemiah. Just open Nehemiah. <laughs> Alright, Nehemiah chapter 1. Now, the words of Nehemiah, the son of And it came to pass on the Mount of Chislew. In the 20th year. And I was on Shushan, the palace. Uh, Let's jump to four. (laughs) And it came to pass when I heard these words. That I sat down and wept. And mourned certain days. And fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now there was a message that came from a friend. um, Of his who was an Israelite also. And now this is Nehemiah in another country. And on and on, at different times, Israel had been, had been destroyed. Israel, Israel had, been, had gone into battle. They've taken them into slavery. And remember when we started this, we're saying that your primary product is the reason you're on earth. It's for the gospel. It's for God. And then that's the same example with this guy. Yet, they didn't have the gospel at that time. Yes. But they had what they were living for. It was for God and for country. It was Israel at every time. And so, whatever, or wherever they were, they thought was in the prosperity of their country. They thought was in the rebuilding of their country. This guy was alright, he was living good because he was the king's butler. And now the butler now is not is not the butler in in present days. Now, this butler here was, was a prominent person in the kingdom because they trusted him with the king's wine and the king's food. And so he he was prominent in that kingdom. But while he was working there, while he was in slavery, while he looked to be far away from the commonwealth of his people, one message remained on his heart. Israel. And the God of Israel. And it's the same thing for the believer. Now, I wonder how he rose up the ranks. Because he didn't go up the ranks to become, to, to, uh, by, by maybe preaching or starting a message somewhere. So he's got to be diligent somehow. Now he's got wisdom somehow, but we'll see how that wisdom plays out later on. So somehow he's got wisdom, somehow he's been diligent, just rising up the ranks, and then he becomes the king's butler. And remember, we've been talking about diligence, we've been talking that whatever you are doing, you're doing as if you're doing it to what? Unto the Lord. That's what Colossians chapter 3 tells us. That servants serve your masters as unto the Lord. He says, student, read your books as unto the Lord. Because everything we do is unto the Lord. And he says there that whatever you do unto the Lord, you have a reward for it. So now, the reward in your place of work is not just in your salaries and wages and the Esther codes, no. There's also a reward... From who? From the Lord. Because what you're doing in your workplace is a service to the Lord. So as a believer, everything you do is a service to the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And so we see Nehemiah here and he's just there. He's just walking. He's just there, just climbing up the ranks with diligence, with hard work, with truthfulness. And then he receives men from his home place or his hometown. And they tell him the situation. And the Bible tells us that the burden was so much on him and he wept. He wept and went into a place of prayers. Now you'll be wondering that who, who was this guy? Who is this guy? Why is he so concerned about the gospel? You know some people are like that. I didn't kill Jesus. You know? There are some believers. Meanwhile he died for you. So you keep you. And I'm sure if you were there, there, you would have participated. Because the way you are angry now at Jesus sometimes. If he shows up, you know. Just... <laughs> you know, so some believers are like that. You hear people say, I'm not, I'm not a pastor. I'm not, I'm not this, I'm not that. But God expects seriousness from you for the gospel. Because this guy, again, we said, was living all right. He had no business, but he ate at the king's table. So why was he crying for Israel? Meanwhile, perhaps he wasn't one of the people that sinned. You know? You'd have just said, well, I didn't sin with the Israelites. You see, the Lord has blessed me. (laughs) If they're in trouble, then they're in trouble. You know, there are some believers like that. Don't be that kind of believer. The burden of other believers is yours because it's one family. Remember where we started from? In my father's house. So the burden of other believers, and I think when I was teaching us, was it during the workers' meeting too? In every joint supplying. That so we care about what's going on in every church all over the world. And so that's why we make intercessory prayers. And then we are praying for the Lord to strengthen missionaries. Because we are all part of one body. And so if one body is not functioning well, or one part of the body is not functioning well, it just takes a little bit more time for it to affect the others. And if the others are strong, it takes more time for health to go into other parts. You know, when there's progressive paralysis somewhere, and and maybe it's it's climbing up the body, and the head is saying, "Well, I'm not paralyzed. <laughs> you know, I'm all right." But the paralysis is coming from the leg on the same body. I know when he hits the head, <laughs> a life is snuffed out. <laughs> uh-huh, you say. <see? laughs> The guy said, we just die. So he was concerned even while he had a good life. And he wept. And then he began praying. Let's see his prayers. And he says, I beseech thee, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and terrible God. Now, that, that word there is awesome God. Praise God. If you have the New King James Version, it's awesome God. It's not... It's not it's not terrible, it's just a language thing, yeah. Because some people will say, Well, the Bible says God is terrible. No, God is awesome. The, you see, when the person writing it, he said, He was he says, God was too much and too good to quantify, so he said, terrible. <laughs> That's what happened there. So now it says, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God that keepeth covenant. And mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Again, I just like to teach Bible interpretation here, because if God was terrible, you know, His next line wouldn't be on love. Praise God. So now He says, "For them that love Him and observe His commandments." He says, "Like thine ear now, like let thine ear now be attentive, and your eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before Thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants." And confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against thee. He says, Both I and my father's house have sinned. He says, Now we have dealt very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. It says, Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest, that thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad amongst the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, Though they were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now 10, he says, Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let not thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servants and to the prayer of thy servants, who desire and fear thy name. He says, Prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now he prayed that, Lord grant me mercy, that's grant me favor in the sight of the king that I'm serving. Now power was generated because he had prayed. And when we pray, the effect of heaven, the effect of heaven prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. So we pray now and after that comes wisdom. But you can see the concern of this man for the nation. In fact, he accepted everything. He says it's one body. And then if those other people are not understanding of what's going on, or they are not understanding what's going on, I take responsibility for that. That's a responsible believer. Says, well, I don't care what they are doing, but Lord, can you just have mercy upon them and send your word to them so that they repent. he's praying for favor and as many believers also do but then after favor comes the working of wisdom so when we say build up yourself is so that you're able to persecute God's agenda on the earth when we're saying get hard working get diligent is to show God's goodness because now without that wisdom all he would have here will be pie in the place of prayers it would be visions. He would have seen things. The cherubims and seraphims flying around, you know. And then he would go to sleep. But he says here now, in two. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Atasarxes, the king, that wine was before him. He says, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. He says, wherefore the king said unto me, why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? He says, "This is nothing else but sorrow of heart." He says, "Then I was sore afraid. And I said unto the king, "Let the king live forever." He says, "Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, light waste and gates thereof are consumed with fire?" So now this, this guy, firstly, had, he even had emotional intelligence now I don't know how long he has been serving the king but never has the king caught him sad. you know he was going about his duty constant that the day there was a change he noticed and then the change wasn't every day because you know some people <laughs> say every, every time there's something wrong, why? there can't always be something wrong so there's, there's, there's that emotional intelligence of relating with people. There's that emotional intelligence that every believer should know about. I remember last year, I think, when we were teaching Excel, I said sometimes the emotional issues will not go away. Now, I mean, that's, that's a terrible thing to say, yes? Now, the reason is this. I, I say, So when people are going through stuff, you know, they, they show it everywhere. And so even when people are saying hello to you and greeting you, you push everybody away. Push friends away because you're going through stuff. And we understand because everybody goes through stuff. I mean, as long as you're on earth, you go through things. And then your anchor is faith because that's the way out. So now the reason people don't get out of that is when you've pushed everybody away, when you become fine, praise God, everybody has gone. So you get back into that hole. Someone said, wow. <laughs> Deep revelation there. And that's the truth. So in that circle, you see people experiencing stuff like that. So at some point, you say, oh, I don't have friends. Well, you pushed people away before. And sometimes you've, you've gone on a trajectory, on a journey so long that in fact, people are not even ready to help again. Because there must be some times where even when you're down, you refuse to be down. That's what your face teaches you. So you must not always be seen carrying a long face. So that the day you actually have a true long face, <laughs> you get attention. Praise God. I mean, we can see that in what we're reading. The king noticed says, Never have I seen this guy looking this way. And he says, What's wrong? But remember that he was a butler. Yes, he had, he was, he was prominent. In this land. But never would you have thought that the prominence of a slave, because still he was a slave. He wasn't his country. He wasn't a free man. He was serving the king. Never would you have known that that prominence will enable him build his country. But it wasn't just power. It was wisdom. So every day he was wise. Going about his duty. You know, he was, he was a, well... If it was a useless guy, he would have been like that butler in Joseph's story. He would be in the prison. And then he can't, he can't offer help. But so this guy was there, observing his duties, serving the king. He could have asked for any other thing. And that's why we keep saying that the kingdom is behind or is at the forefront of the believer's mind. It's the kingdom. I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And so when the king asks him, what's wrong with you? The first thing that comes out of his mouth is, hey, there's something wrong with my country. Well, he could have brought maybe his family members to join him. He could have asked, oh king, I've been serving you for the past couple of years. I'm just the butler. Why not make me something else, you know? But the kingdom... I remember so, sometime, I think last year, I was saying that, yes, the kingdom can get you employed. Because, you know, this guy, he was, he was a butler. And, yeah, he was prominent. He had some rank in that kingdom. But then nothing was as good as being a governor amongst his own people. Because then Nehemiah came back home and built. But even the building, it was the kingdom of Israel and God that was at the back or the forefront of his mind. But then wisdom taught him how to talk and what to present before the king. And he didn't just do that. He says, okay, now, um, O king, uh, uh, this is what's going on in my country. And he comes and he says, all right, the king says, okay, that's, that's granted. Then he says, O king, I need something else. Can you give me letters to give all the governors in all the regions so they allow me free passage? Now, that's wisdom. Now, that's power being distilled because, again, spiritual people can just, can just pray. You know, you've, we've seen some funny videos online where the guy prayed in his house, prayed in his house. <laughs> then went to the office and told his boss. I said, God told me. <laughs> God told me to come here and tell you, eh, that even if I was a Christian and you told me, God told me, are you, well, well, get, get out of here. You know, there are people like that. Even in the faith, I've, I've said it, I've had to tell some people, and while teaching them, I'm saying, look, even if you have a word of prophecy for someone, yeah, the things of the Spirit, there's a wisdom to it. There's a wisdom in giving someone a word of prophecy. There's a wisdom in teaching. So, we saw, we saw a video last, last week. I saw a video, and one, one non-prophet, he just caught someone out and just embarrassed the person. So I was telling my wife, I said, well, even if this is the gift of God. This is the gift of God being used foolishly. Because now, quite alright, that man did what he said he did. So as you think he's going to come back to church. And you think many other people who have fault lines in their work with God. I mean, they're just going to leave the church. And of course, we're not saying people should stay in church in their sins and in their faults. But many people need time. They need time of consistent teaching. But then you've sent the person away. But then there's another man who has the wisdom who will never tell you what you did. He just comes and says, well, why don't you read this? It's like Jesus speaking to the Samaritan. Now there was power. But then they started from the place of give me a drink. You know, he could have just come and seen her. He says, wow. <laughs> he said, this one, you are fetching water innocently. You you know, you have five husbands and you are are behaving innocent. (laughs) And then you are even living with another man that is not your husband now. You know, he he could pass the message like that and people will say, prophesy man of God. (laughs) Say pro papa, (laughs) go deeper. (laughs) Sorry, they do that in some of his country. Go deeper, man of God. (laughs) You know, you could do that. And then the woman would have felt sorry for her life and they should have gone. But since she was amazed that this man knows all I've done in my life. And he didn't judge me. He asked for a drink. After asking for a drink, and he told me that I'll have it. And then she ran to call the entire city. Again, that's the wisdom on Jesus' part. Because then the power was made available. He could preach any kind of message he wanted to do or he wanted to preach. But then there's the needed wisdom to get a man saved. Praise God. And so the same for Nehemiah. Because if he was just full of prayers, well, he might have just prayed all night. And then, the next morning, just wake up, and he's expecting something to happen. You know, maybe you've prayed like that before. And then you just pray, you just pray. And then you sit down. And then you're expecting, well, there are you have to wait. But many times, while we pray, We also pray for wisdom. So when you pray, your prayer doesn't end at praying. Your prayer continues in hearing. Now what am I to do? Where am I to go? Who should I speak to? And then how should I speak to them? Because when you receive a communication from God, you receive spiritual communication, yes? But not all men understand spiritual communication because you wouldn't go to someone's office and then quote the Bible to them. Praise God. And so you remember last two weeks when we were saying read books. And we we're saying get knowledge. And it's all part of that. And so he's asking for letters. All right, King, will you let us go into the forest and get timber to build? You see, now that's that's serious. Because he asked for permission for leave and then begins to ask for materials to build his kingdom. But he didn't end there. So he went and gathered the noblemen and spoke to them. And then they began rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. They began rebuilding the kingdom. But all this didn't just happen on the plane of prayers. Firstly, there was the mind of God. And for us, that mind of God is the gospel that we have. And then when we are praying about the gospel, we're having it at the back of our mind how do I deliver? When I was studying this, it just, it just reinforced the fact, I mean, I've always known that the life as a believer is about the gospel. But it just reinforced it because this guy was alright, like I said before. But the only thing at the back of his mind was the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And in fact, that was what made him. So, now I'm saying to you that your life it's not apart from the gospel. Everything that you are doing is for the gospel. You know, you've heard people say, "Well, this is not. This is not about God." Let's, you know. So you're doing business, and you're saying, "This is business." In business, I don't, you know. You've said that. Some people have said that. Somebody was smiling. I said, it. "Stop it from now, in Jesus' name." Because everything is a representation of the kingdom of God. And then when you have that motivation that I'm representing the Lord, then you're able to even do better. Because the guiding principle or the push is that it's unto the Lord. And whatever is being done unto the Lord must be done well. Whatever is being done unto the Lord must be done with all strength. Whatever is being done unto the Lord must be done with all diligence. With all zeal, with all zest. With all of my heart, with all of my might. You see, that's that's better motivation. Because you know that it's not just for earning money. It's also for pleasing the Lord. Wisdom. Wisdom. With wisdom, what? A house is built. And then with understanding, it's established. So, everyone's got to get to that point that, well, after I have prayed, then I need wisdom. After I have prayed, then I need to get thinking. You know, we've taught us in church, being led by the Spirit of God, we've taught us on your most dominant thoughts. Because, again, we have to distill that. Because in the place of power, you can have a vision. You know, you can, many things can happen. So, you're praying and then there's the shakings and the movings and all of that. But then... There must be a wisdom to say, wait, how is God speaking? And then if he has spoken this way, how am I going to pan it out? How, am I, how is it going to pan out? What will I do? How do I get in? Again, we have the man Joseph. You know, at some point he had a dream. And I'll, tell, I'll show you two different things Nehemiah and, and Joseph did. And I know at the end, because all things work together for good. You are just smiling. <laughs> is that, the Bible says smile. <laughs> all, all things work together. Somebody is quickly searching their phone. Yeah, so now, I mean, that that happened in Joseph's case. Well, some people say, well, it shouldn't have happened. Some people say, it have, well, all things worked together for good. You know? But at, at the point of his, his dreams, he just, he's just started telling everybody. God woke up. He said, see, look, this is what I saw. And <laughs> but then there was no wisdom to go about it at that particular time. But then this guy, Nehemiah, received wisdom from the Lord. And then you see where in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 3, he says, and I told no one what I was doing. So at night, he woke up, took some men, and then he himself went around the city. Wisdom. So he went around the city because, again, uh, for some people, when you tell everybody what you're about to do, then there's the voice of, of discouragement. There's the many things, are you the only one there? And about Wisdom tells you to be quiet for a while until you've solidified your convictions and everything you're going to do. So he kept walking around the city. And then he knew what to do, and then before he came back to tell them. At that point, nobody could, could convince him. And then the same thing with Joseph. The first time he just told everybody, and because his father already loved him, then it became a problem. Well, they sold him out. And on and on, he kept telling dreams. Power was generated in the place of the dreams because it was a spiritual experience, it was a spiritual capital. So he had a dream. But the dream didn't make him the prime minister. Praise God. The dream was just the beginning of it. So, well, the dream could have gotten him out of the prison, but it's fine to have a dream. But then in his mind, he had, he had what we call the market dynamics. And so they said, well, seven fat cows and seventeen cows and all of that. And they said, so what do we do? So, well, he interprets the dream and says, well, um, seven years of famine and seven years of plenty. Yes? So what do we do? It's the same thing with your vision. So what do we do? But remember, Christ is not just power. It's also wisdom. You know, the first time he generated power, he just told the guy his dream. And then said, remember me. Well, we can't fault him because, I mean, we don't know what happened, but <laughs> that's all. But then the next time, there was wisdom. And then the wisdom was what got him out there. But again, it's the name of his God that has been in his mind from the beginning. Remember when he was with Potiphar's wife? He says, how will I do this against the Lord? Well, he went to prison. And in prison, the mind of God in him, kept elevating him. Because that, that, that was his motivation. And that was why he did everything he did. But at the end, we see him saving an entire nation. Praise God. Christ. The power and the wisdom of God. So at the point of carrying out the wisdom, at the point of telling the, the king, well, seven, so I believe while he was in prison, he wasn't dejected. I believe while he was in prison, he wasn't he wasn't always down. So he must have subjected himself to some kind of knowledge to understand how to bring a people out of economic penury or whatever it was says, all oh, right, so if we save it for seven years, then we're just going to have more. Now, what I'm trying to let you understand is, is that in the marketplace, when you're doing all of that, when you're studying, when you're putting in your energy and your time for certifications and whatever it is, that's also spiritual. Praise God. That's also what so you know to do it well it's, it's, it's everything the believer does and because you've become a believer you it's all in spirit everything you do from the point of being a believer is spiritual and now this actually saves you from a lot of things see I'm saying many things this morning it saves you from a lot of things in fact it saves you from sin it saves you from cheating because if you're cheating then <laughs> you know you've got to do spiritual stuff and it's unto the Lord. Amen. Does that make sense to you? And you know, we've, we've, we've gone through scriptures to see this. Or to, 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 to certify this. That everything is unto the Lord. So there's no moment. So that when, when people are saying, well, it's not, it's not about, no. You, you, you can't cut corners. Because your life is to preach. You can't you can't you can't say I cannot come and go and keep myself and do substandard stuff because it's unto the Lord, and what you are doing is what is spiritual, and then that's your own passive way also of preaching gospel. Uh, remember, everybody will should actively preach, but then when we are not actively preaching, there's a passive way. There's a passive way you let people know that that God leads without telling them. Uh, I remember, remember some years ago, I was going to do some business, and then this person, the older person, had the money, and he was older. And so, and so you know, that kind of thing. It's the person's opinion that always counts, because they have more experience and all of that. And then, I, I knew my idea was going to work. And I knew the person's idea was going to fail, So it took I mean, we had to convince, so I went and I, I, I prayed. And that's power, yes? Power being generated. I prayed, I prayed. And I had a release that, well, I'm going to have favor. But then you don't just appear and, <laughs> and just have favor. I mean, it's, it's possible, praise God, but then you're talking business, yes? So you don't just go and say, don't give me. <laughs> so, I sat down and I thought, oh, Lord. what are you saying? What am I going to tell this, this person? So I, I, I got that inspiration. And then when he came, uh, part of the inspiration was don't let the person talk. Just, <laughs> you know, I said these things and so people started using it on me in this church. <laughs> I won't be teaching you secrets. <laughs> so you so don't, don't use me. I, I just noticed that. I asked the person, I said, this is what you are doing. eh?" <laughs> now I know. So yeah, he just came and I just said, well, this is, this is what's going to happen if we do it this way. This is the projection. This is what. And he looked at me. He says, okay. The, I, I, <laughs> I was confused as to what happened because, in my, in my fleshly mind, I was expecting a no. So we had finished talking. But I now realized, well, he said yes. Now that's the wisdom of God. But then we had done the prayer for favor. And you know, many times that's why people keep repeating those things. Of course, there are sometimes you need to press more, there are sometimes you need to pray more. But then, at the point of praying, you must always get, what's the wisdom saying? At the point of praying, you must get, what's, what's the next certification course I'm going to take? It's spiritual. I know some people preach it and say, it doesn't have to do with it. It is. Because the kingdom is at the forefront of your mind, or at the back of your mind. Which, which, wherever you put it, just remember. <laughs> the kingdom. So, while you're praying, you, you're trying to know. So how how is the market penetration going to happen? Am I just going to do everything? You know, there are people doing everything. You do Python, you do... <laughs> what else are they doing? C++. Then you start doing affiliate marketing. <laughs> and blockchain. Then you, yeah, you advertise. You, you WhatsApp, Facebook. You are all... <laughs> you know, I remember because I was also in the in the job market and then the wisdom of God was to do something. I mean, after praying, I knew what to do. I knew it would take a, a while. But I got on it. And then I had friends who would come and tell me, like, where well, we're working. Say, well, I started learning Java. I said, good. <laughs> and you know. People will make you feel bad for what you're doing. Everybody say, well, what's going on now? is Python. I said, well, that's your business. Learn it. He says, well, the world is IT oriented. I said, I'm not going to learn this. I'm not, I'm not going to code. It's not my business. <laughs> you know, and that's not, that's not to make fun. We're the first set of people to get out. I mean, with all the people learning those things. And it came, and what I learned was, was where I got an offer. It was the wisdom of God. Everybody said everything. And you know, it can get confusing. You may look like the only unserious person. When 10 people are going a particular direction and then you're the only one. And in fact, what you are talking about doesn't sound popular at all. <laughs> because some days I, I go to <laughs> and there's one guy, he will just send me everything. Very nice guy. And I typed the code, typed the code. This code is not coding. <laughs> but the wisdom of God. And at the end, when I told one of them, I said, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. He says, well, I, I said, I got an offer. He says, where did you get the offer? I told him. He says, yeah. He says, I'll interpret it. He said, ah, you talk, ammo. <laughs> it means, and ah, you said it. I said, well, I said it. <laughs> the wisdom of God. And then now that guy understands how God leads better. It, it would sound, I mean, I spent a whole summer on that day I, I was living, so <laughs> I was downloading. I bought him out with this. I must, told him everything. I said, "Well, you know, this is how faith works. This is how the leading of God." Is. He said, hmm, hmm. He, "In fact, he told me you start taking God more seriously." I said, "Yes, that's the point." But of course, I've been telling you to take God more seriously before. Well, he never gave me that kind of response. He gave me that day. But it's the wisdom of God. So while you pray, seek what. Seek wisdom. And then there will be the wisdom that comes from the word of God. There will be wisdom that comes from the world. Again, God instituted that wisdom. Because the devil does not intend for people to progress. In fact, if he has intended for people to progress, it's that they may be destroyed at the end. So everywhere you can learn something great, remember, it's the kingdom at the back of your mind. It's the kingdom. The same thing for Nehemiah. It's the kingdom. And then built the entire nation and became a governor. But it would look like, why is it being so spiritual? It didn't look like much can come out from just being a spiritual person. Another thing I'm I'm trying to tell you is don't, don't let the power be resident in the church. Something like that happened to Nehemiah. You know, sometimes keeping the fervency in the church might just be a big problem. And someone will say, well, where else should we be fervent if not in the church? You should be fervent outside too. But yes, be fervent in the church, but seek to distill it. Praise God. Seek to take it out. Don't don't let your prayers be much in church only. Your prayers should be much in church. Make no mistakes. You should shout in church. You should cry in church. But take that energy out. So now, because... Sabalat and Tobar You know I've heard somebody bear name Tobears What your uncle <laughs> <laughs> No I <didn't. laughs> So Sabalat and Tobears uh, no Tobear <laughs> So now they have been trying to bring the walls down they formed a league to come against them and then they sent a prophet who was just telling Nehemiah he says run to the house of God he says, just stay there. So, it's the same with people. They say, well, all you need is just to be spiritual. Just, just come to the house of God. Meanwhile, you should come. Be coming. <laughs> Praise God. But seek to take everything you've lent out. So, he was telling "He just, just stay. But now, this was already a man of prayer. So, why are you keeping me within the confines of the temple? Then, he realized. He, the Bible tells us that he descended. this was not of god so it's not totally of god that the only place you're fervent is in church that the only place you put in your energy is in church i've told you if you're a worker in church then we must find that seriousness wherever you are because that's the gospel being preached passively and that's not to say um everything happens just like that things take process i mean if you're trying to learn things I mean, you didn't become a doctor in one day. You don't become... I mean, there's a process to learn. So we're not saying you should just go out and say, well, I've not seen the result. No. Go out and put that fervency. So now, they've told him. They says, no, run and put everything you have in the temple. Just stay in the temple. Then he said, this is not of God. So it's not always of God for you to just put your fervency in one place. Be serious everywhere. It's unto the Lord. And that's part of greater works. Because... When, when a man gets serious, when a man shines in the things he's meant to be shining, it, it brings people to you. See, that a man diligent? It's the same thing with Isaiah 60 that we read last week, that arise and shine, so that what Gentiles? Well, you know, in, in Isaiah 60 there, the light that was shining, again, is the gospel. Um, it was the message, because if you read from, from, from 59, you see where there's an issue with sin and then repentance. And he's saying, after repenting and coming to God, he says, make what you have known. He says, and when you make it known, he says, Gentiles will come to the brightness of what? You're rising. But how does that get out? It's wisdom. So now there's the power being generated in 59. He's repenting. He's praying. He's consecrating. But then he gets to 60 and he says, let your light shine. The same thing when Jesus was saying he says, no man lights a candle and puts it under the bushel. He said, but they put it on a lampstand. They put it on a stand so that everyone will see. But then you know the dynamics to that is <laughs> no man lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. So now he says, let let your light shine. So now it's it's now your duty in wisdom. Remember, in praying, we're generating power. And then in wisdom, we're sinking. How are we going about this? Can we be on our feet? While we wrap up the service, praise the name of the Lord. Are you blessed this morning? And you know, we can also use that as we go out to preach, yeah. You ask the Lord, "How am I going to speak to this next person?" I'm going to speak. It works. That's how we prayed last week, and I was sorry last month, and had that in our mind. I mean, you just picture that, yeah. So pray for souls to be saved. Firstly, we thank God. Just Father, we thank you for your wisdom. Father, we thank you for your power. Thank you for power. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for we are total and complete in you. Now when the power is generated here, when the energy is generated here, there's the wisdom to take it out. Now there's a wisdom in going about my job. There's a wisdom in going about my academics. There's a wisdom in going about my business. There's a wisdom in going about my craft. There's a wisdom in going about my skills. Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom of God. Thank you for I'm not just kept in that part I mentioned. For I'm not just kept in the church in just one place. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Alright, so now we're going to pray concerning evangelism as we go out. And remember we said, preach, teach, and heal. And now we've had people getting healed.